Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, data with your AEW All Out Ultimate Preview. That's right, we will be breaking down every single thing to come this Saturday night on the AEW All Out card, and we will be doing it in quick succession, coming out of the go-home episode of AEW Dynamite. And your reaction to my reaction to AEW Dynamite may not be great at the start of this show, but nevertheless, I am excited for the all-out card as it stands right now. It looks like it is nine matches strong with one of them on the kickoff show. Plenty to talk about. We have Chris Jericho. We have John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, FTR. It is a absolutely loaded card from a talent standpoint, but we are going to break down whether it can live up to its potential. Joining me to do that today is none other than Vintage Chris Vanini, who you can follow on Twitter, at Chris Vanini. Chris, am I wrong to potentially be a little bit down coming out of this go-home edition of AEW Dynamite? No, I I think that's fair. I had the same reaction. It was, was, um, you know, you texted me during the show, and I think it was a good way to put it, was it was low energy. You know, they, they they stuck to the stories and everything and in some cases moved stuff forward, some cases didn't, but there was just not a lot of energy and, and fire outside of, I guess, maybe MJF at the end. But uh, yeah, it just, it felt oddly kind of calm for an like Blase, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that is kind of my main talking point going into it and we're going to get to that and the rest of the card momentarily. Before we do, you guys know how it goes. A couple of reminders. I already told you how you can follow Chris on Twitter. If you want to follow me, hit me up at Silverstein Adam. But more important than both, please follow our show at Getting Overcast. Once again, at Getting Overcast. Also, head on over to Apple Podcasts whenever you get the opportunity and leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know how much you love the show. Every single rating matters, helps bump us up in standings, and that leads to more listeners. And I haven't said this in a while, But going along with those ratings and reviews is telling your damn friends. Most of you watch wrestling or talk about wrestling with numerous other people. So share the show, let them know how to subscribe, tell them to follow us on Twitter and get people talking about the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. But with that all out of the way, let's get to talking about AEW. And yeah, Chris, as you kind of said a moment ago, I could not help but feel the show had that low energy feel the entire night. The crowd did pop in moments, especially for some moves in the eight-man tag team match. That one was most noticeable to me. But other than that, it just kind of felt like, I don't know, maybe people were going through the motions. Maybe the storylines reached a point last week that there was not really another level to go. And therefore, they just kind of filled in some time and got us out of there. The only storyline that I really felt advanced in some meaningful, legitimate way was the tag team championship storyline with Kenny Omega, Adam Page, and FTR. That took on a a bit of a turn in another level that I did not actually expect to develop on Dynamite. I thought we might see that come to fruition on the pay-per-view. So, But outside of that, and I did like that, there wasn't really much to kind of you know, Barry Horowitz to, to give the pat on the back for this go-home edition of AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I, as we were getting ready for the show, I pulled up the notes I, I took during the show. 
and I just I didn't have much written down. Like it, it wasn't right, right. It wasn't horrible. It, like it's not like it's not like everything in the show made sense. It fit within the stories. They, 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 a lot, some of it set up all out or further set up all out. But none of it was really great either. It was just kind of, you know, it, it's something that probably looked good on paper and probably was good on paper. But in the execution, just it didn't really come through the screen. I think the key is this. It's a go-home show, right? And for AEW, it is still a pay-per-view product. They want us to spend, mm-hmm. I actually forgot what it is. What is it, $49.99 for the show? So they, they want us to spend $50 on this pay-per-view. And the job of the go-home show is to sell the pay-per-view. And the best way I can put my opinion on Dynamite Wednesday is they did not sell me on the pay-per-view. If I was not going to order it anyway, they really did not give me a reason to want to. Yeah. And, you know, just like, I don't know, we'll get into the card later, but also just kind of as I look at the card, like it, it feels like we're kind of missing some big stuff. Yeah. Like, like there's nothing urgent, gotta see necessarily on the card. Maybe the Mimosa Mayhem will be fun, but it, it doesn't feel like a, a, a major type of thing. And, I, and honestly, you know, when I look at this card, it's missing Cody Rhodes. It he is. Bring, he brings yeah. a star power to that show, and and that has been missing the last two now episodes of, of Dynamite since he lost the title. And uh, as you look at the All Out card as well, so I, I'm curious, you know, what would the buy rate will end up being? Um, but uh, you know, AEW pay per views usually, you know, meet have high expectations and usually meet or exceed them. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do, but yeah, coming out of this, it wasn't really a like, Oh man, I can't wait till Saturday coming out of the show, which is how I felt previously double or nothing. You know, I, both of them and the previous all out, I could not wait. Even revolution. I was extremely excited to tune, tune in that Saturday night and watch that on pay-per-view. This one is kind of just like, eh, you know, it's okay. Like, and, and you made a good point. Cody not being on the card definitely contributes. Chris Jericho fighting someone for the third time in a feud that doesn't have much meaning ultimately and has been just as much comedy as it has been serious takes away a little bit. And then you do have the AEW championship match and MJF is a legitimate number one contender. But you kind of go into it and you're like, "Eh, he's not going to drop the title. Right. So if you're not questioning whether the guy's going to lose, then how excited can you actually be for the main event? And that's kind of why when I look at this card, the match I really care about is Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus FTR. That is number one with a bullet. Not even there's nothing else close to me caring about that match. And number two, I kind of have to search for it. And I'd be lying if I didn't say it was Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. I, I, I'd probably go Jericho Cassidy just because I think it'll be fun, you know, but but it's, uh, yeah, you're right. There's a pretty big drop off. And, and honestly, I've said this before the few times I've been on the show, but, you know, Moxley as champ just hasn't excited me. Um, it, it really hurts him not having the crowd for one. It does. That's yes. Obviously a huge yeah. part of it feeds off that the crowd loves him without a doubt. Uh, but also he's always better as the chaser than, than the guy who's mm-hmm. at the top and, and, you know, I, I actually came into tonight, tonight's episode wondering, uh, thinking, hey, maybe MJF can take the title. Maybe things just haven't been working with Moxley, again, because they don't have full crowds and stuff. And maybe maybe they do make a change here. Um, with how the show ended, I'm rethinking that, but we'll get to the picks later. 
No, that's true. Uh, and yeah, that's, that is also accurate. Going back to Moxley and WWE as Dean Ambrose, his title reigns were never special. They never felt great. He was great in the chase. The guy who shouldn't be getting the opportunity, but forced his way into that position. Got, you know, and you know what? It wasn't very different from Steve Austin. Steve Austin was better chasing than he was as champion, but he was so freaking over that when he was champion, you didn't feel like it was a letdown. You know what I mean? Whereas with Moxley slash Ambrose, it, he still got he still gets pops. And if there was a crowd, they'd be going crazy for him. Yes. But as a viewer who's looking at it a little bit more analytically, it, it's not as exciting. It was exciting when he was going after Jericho. Now him just kind of beating the crap out of Brody Lee and MJF being a pipsqueak compared to him going into this match. It's just like, okay, like, sure. Uh, you're not going to win, but I mean, maybe, listen, maybe he does and maybe it swerves me. And if so, that then kudos to them. I mean, no question about it. But. I, I'll say, I do think it's on the table. Okay. I'm not as okay. certain that something's not going to happen as you. That's fair. No, I think that, I think that's fair. So why don't we stop previewing it and actually get to talking about it? Let's do it. Let's go into the AEW all out ultimate preview. And we got to start with what has now been decided and booked as the buy-in match, Britt Baker versus Big Swole in a tooth and nail match. Now, if you can tell me what a tooth and nail match is, then you're better than me. I have a weird suspicion that it's going to be eye for an eye match like <laughs> where the goal will be for Big Swole to remove one of Britt Baker's teeth or Britt Baker to remove one of Big Swole's nails. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a street fight and, and they're calling it that. That's a cute name for them to call it. That's fine. I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to try to play off the eye for an eye stipulation and go in that direction. But what actually bothers me about this is that this has been the singular most featured women's feud on AEW Dynamite for two plus months. And they put it on the buy-in for the pay-per-view. Yep. It's a total joke. I did like the attack segment on Dynamite Wednesday. It was pretty brutal with the crutch and shoving Big Swole's face in the pizza. It was pretty funny. I, I liked it. So they've had good heat. They've had good interactions. The handicap match last week was horrendous. It was the worst thing in wrestling all week. <laughs> but this match has some kind of gravitas to it a little bit. And it's just being thrown on the kickoff show after 10 weeks, basically. I don't even, I lost count. But 10 weeks of build, it feels pretty unfair to, the, to these women. and. It's a little bit ridiculous that the only thing that they've really been building for the women's division gets this type of treatment. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's the women's title match, but that kind of just happened at the last minute. Three-week um, build for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this story, uh, along with a lot of the matches on the card, it, they've had really good long-term booking. You know, it doesn't you know, long-term booking doesn't mean it has to be the best feud when it comes around in the time for the right. match, but they have they have developed this very slowly in a very productive way, shown me big swole enough times that now I understand her. Uh, you kind of get a feel for her as a, as a character. And um, yeah, I, I am a bit disappointed. This is uh, on the kickoff. I'm also disappointed that we don't know what tooth and nail match is. I, like you said, it, it could be a really cool idea, but I, I think it would have been best to explain that in this show. Right. Uh, as opposed to, you know, it's the kickoff show. You got to give us a reason to, to, want to know what it is. And if you don't catch it on social media, something you may not know what that stipulation is. Well, that's the thing. It's like, give them two segments, do the attack or in the first hour. And then in the second hour, have one of them cut a promo. And I challenge you to this, here's the stipulation. 
and then the person accepts. Like it's yeah. really not that difficult to do. And I, I think I gave a similar criticism recently to WWE for like booking uh, uh, for the um, Iconics match with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan from from Raw. I was like, look, they could have given us that stipulation. They knew it was coming. They could have given it to us on Sunday and explained it. Instead, they just kind of threw it in there. Now, AEW also has like five preview shows before this pay-per-view begins. You saw that lineup at the end. So I'm sure in one of them, they will explain what this match is. But I'm I'm actually excited for the match. Like, I want to see it happen from a prediction standpoint. Look, Big Swole to me is just way too green to get a win over basically the top woman in the company. So I have to go with Britt Baker winning this. I am also going with Britt Baker, but like I said, they've done a good job at developing Big Swole and putting her in situations where you root for her uh, as a character. And Britt Baker has been a tremendous promo throughout all of this since, since the injury uh, to to be on the show almost every week, really, and and still you know be you know interesting to watch. I think it's it's really a credit to uh, the work she's done when put in that bad situation. So oh yeah, yeah, it, it's time. I think you know I I think there's such a dearth of options at the top of the women's card that I, I think it's best Britt Baker gets the win here and, and moves back toward the AW women's title uh, picture. It is. That's the key. Like, get her this win, make her the number one contender, and then have her, at whatever point you feel appropriate, fight Hikaru Shida, and you actually have a women's feud and storyline that makes sense. And while all that's happening, hopefully some of these other women are getting healthier or they're figuring out what they want to do with the division. But, yeah, I mean... It, I, I love Britt Baker. I, th- I think she's been doing an incredible job. I, I think Big Swole's been doing a good job. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so disappointed in this. Would it have been a match that would be the caliber of some of the other ones on the main card? No, probably not. But I think occasionally you need to make that exception. And there's certainly some matches on this main card. Not the next one we're going to talk about, but two from now. And even three from now. And we'll get to them. That both could have been on the buy-in instead of this. This, this in my opinion, deserved to be on the main show. I think they made a mistake. Uh, moving on next to the Casino Battle Royal, the winner will receive an AEW championship opportunity. So we'll talk about the match itself in a minute. Let's talk about some segments that are kind of leading into this from Dynamite. First, we had Santana and Ortiz defeat Best Friends. I thought this was a really hot start to the show. Gained a, I've gained a lot of respect for the Best Friends wrestling over the last few months. I never really mm-hmm. saw them on the independents. And I'm a big Santana and Ortiz fan as it is. So this was definitely a match right out the top of the show I cared about. There was good action throughout. They kept me glued to the screen. It was disappointing to see that botch on like the fake first fall where the ref counted three, but he counted three before the person grabbed the rope. And then commentary couldn't explain away why that, while that happened, that was disappointing. Uh, but, but I like the finish because it made sense for the heels to cheat and get the win, even though, in my opinion, Sue deserves better than that. Yes. And this is, again, with the long-term storytelling, like this builds up for the Battle Royale, but it's also a tag team story they've been telling for several weeks now. So Mm -hmm. I think it's done a good job of weaving several stories into this Battle Royale, even ones that involve tag teams. And and you hope they'll address it, pay it off exactly in some form uh, with however they lay out the match. But um, yeah, this has been a good... um, a, a good story, and I agree. Sue uh, in, in, in that van deserve better. Yeah, for sure. Now, the segment to actually promote this match was kind of the opposite of, of this tag team match. That was a total mess. There's not even really analysis that I can give on it. There were more dudes brawling than will be in the actual match. No one is going into the match with any sort of momentum 
coming out of that, except maybe you could say Santana and Ortiz if they're actually in the match, but you know a tag team or a member of a tag team, at least one of those, is not going to win the title. You might see a Pentagon or a Phoenix win, but you're not going to see Santana or Ortiz or one of the best friends win. They go away from the brawl while it's still happening to a commercial break. Then they come back, the brawl's still going on, and they go to a Dark Order video, a pre-taped video. So they just didn't care about this massive fight that was happening. And then once that's all over, they come back and it's all cleared up. So that thing to me was just a complete and utter mess. I thought it was a piece of crap, hated it. And they have not really done much to get me excited for this battle royal, other than me just knowing that there's going to be wrestlers I like in it. So so that brawl segment, are you talking about the one that started out with, uh, with, with, with Jake the Snake and Taz? Yes. Okay. Th- th- that's kind of an example of the problem with the show. You have Jake the Snake, Taz, and Eddie Kingston on the mic together, ready to go at it. I was I was excited. And then more people are walking out. They're losing track of where they are in their promos, and they're just talking over each other. And then it devolves into the brawl. And you're like, oh, they're doing the WWE thing here, where it's like, oh, it's Royal Rumble season. All of a sudden, everybody's piling into the ring or something like but it, that. But it was worse than that because- No, it was. It was. It was. Everyone has at least uh, like five lines where they're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. This is why I'm going to win. And then they all fight. Yeah. This was just like madness for, for the sake of madness. Yeah, I don't know how you mess up a, a segment that has, again, Jake the Snake, Taz, and Eddie Kingston going at each other on the mic, and that's what it turns into. Not uh, not good. So as far as the match itself goes, I don't even really know how to handicap it because we don't know who's in it. I mean, there's people that have announced they're in it, like basically that whatever that stable is going to be with Pentagon, Phoenix, Butcher Blade, and Eddie Kingston. We know that. We know the, the two guys from... T- Two guys from Taz's stable are going to be in it. Lance Archer, Darby Allen. So it looks, ha- like, looks like looks like 17 guys have been announced, but it's going to be 21. Oh, so they did announce 17. Okay. I mean, well, I did I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just going off of Wikipedia. I counted 16 or 17. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think I just named like eight, nine, nine or 10. So my, my guess is that the winner comes from that group I just named because yeah. they've been the ones that have been getting prominent billing on television. And I think when you kind of break it down, I don't know that you can give another AEW championship opportunity to someone who's already had it. So to me, that eliminates a Brian Cage. It eliminates Darby Allen. And it takes me down to everyone else. Butcher and Blade, I don't think get that opportunity. So ultimately, I'm stuck with Lance Archer, which would make a lot of sense coming after uh, John Moxley, potentially, if he's the champion, or someone from the Pentagon Phoenix team. And I would kind of lean towards Pentagon getting that opportunity. So I don't know if I can have a single prediction. If we have, if we have to make a single prediction, I'll go with Lance Archer. That makes the most sense to me. But if I get two, then I, I will narrow it down between Lance Archer and Pentagon. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way. It, it does obviously depend on who wins the title. If, if MJF, if MJF uh, you know, gets it, maybe a Darby Allen gets a chance. Uh, there's not a lot of faces announced in this. Really, it's a lot of heels mm-hmm. as, I, as I'm looking down here. So I, I'm also in that in that Lance Archer uh, Pentagon spot. And I, I think I think between the two, it's got to be Archer. Archer only has one loss, right? I think they actually said that either this week or last week. And it was the, the loss to Cody. To Cody. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I, I'll go with Archer as my pick. 
Sure. So uh, moving on here, we have Dark Order in a, I guess, eight-man tag team match against Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares. And, uh, you know, this match, I guess they did have the video technically, but not even built up on Dynamite, which is fine. You don't necessarily have to build up every single match on a go-home. But I just can't see why this is on the main card and Britt Baker Big Swole is on the buy-in. This is really what I was talking about. And honestly, the Casino Royale or Casino Battle Royal, you got me saying Royale. I don't know. This isn't Royale with cheese season. Well, it, it's, it has an E at the end of it on uh, There's on Wikipedia. Has an e? It has an E on the end of it on Wikipedia. Uh, okay. I don't know if we can go with that. I may have to double check that while we're talking. But the Casino Battle Royal I'm going to go with for right now. Um, <laughs> either of those could have been on, on the buy-in. At least in my opinion. So yeah, I, the only thing is, I feel like when 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 a when a number one contender spot is on the line, I know the first one they did was was uh, yeah on the was on the buying and it was number one contender. But I, mm-hmm. I generally feel like the, the idea it's better to be on the show. But then I guess I think about the last one. I think about the whatever the poker chip one was called. If that was the same thing or not? That was a that was not a good match, and it honestly, could have been on the pre-show. Uh, the poker chip. What the hell? Oh my god. Why can't I? It might. I mean, it might have been the same. Might have been. No, the, it was. It, no, it was a la- that was a ladder match. That was a different. Um, oh, that's right. It was a ladder match. A different thing. I forgot. I'm forgetting what that was called, unfortunately. But you know, never, nevertheless. Uh, so I'm seeing Battle Royal here. Um, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to look into that a little bit. Um, anyway, so <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so this match, uh, you know, a I don't care. I'm just being honest with you. B I see no way in hell. Anyone should win this match except the Dark Order. Like, you just had Brody Lee win the TNT Championship. Cardona Sky, Natural Nightmares, all of them could take the fall. Of course, Cardona shouldn't and Sky shouldn't. But you can have Dustin or QT Marshall, QT Marshall especially, take the fall. We don't necessarily know, or I don't necessarily know at least, what four members of the Dark Order will be competing in this match. But no matter what, this is a stable you're trying to build. These other guys are thrown together. They're not even any type of team the natural nightmares are, but sky and Cardona are just kind of thrown in there. So I, th- you have to go with the dark order in this spot. Uh, by the way, a double or nothing. It was a casino ladder match, casino ladder match. Okay. So they're all, they're all called the uh, casino. Type. It was a chip. Um, he had to pull a chip down off the ladder. He did. He, so. did. he pulled the bummer chip. Um, I, I got to go with dark order too. I, I'm still not like, I like the idea of what they're doing. I, I hear, you know, my brother keeps telling me that, that the dark order on BTE is great. And I'm honestly now like four or five episodes behind, so I have not seen that. But just based on what we're getting out of Dynamite every week, still not really finding myself all that interested. I am coming around more on Brody Lee as the leader. Uh, he was wearing the suit the other day. He revealed his, I guess, his queen, but she's called the Queen Slayer. I don't, I don't know what that means. But uh, which, by the way, I mean, I mean, we know that King Slayer comes from Game of Thrones, but like. Rollins kind of has Kingslayer, you know. Right, but she, but she is she the queen or is she the queen slayer? Queen she slayer. Was, she was presented as the queen of the Dark Order, but, but they queen said slayer. Yeah, they said queen slayer. So yeah, so I'm, I'm not saying they're biting that off just bothered, <laughs> I'm just saying that label bothered me because I thought queen would have would have made sense, it, but slayer. Just but then decided. queen, you're dealing with Charlotte directly. I mean, so yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> But, I don't know. It's but a, uh, no, it's, it's got, I, do, I do agree. It's got to be the Dark Order here. Kind of like Retribution. I appreciate the, well, other than the last couple of weeks, I appreciate the effort they're putting into the Dark Order to make them feel important. 
to have to for, for this to be a faction that is involved in multiple storylines or throughout a show sometimes and is very versatile. Um, I'm, I'm just generally not loving them outside of Brody Lee yet. So, but in this match, I, I'm definitely picking them. By the way, I'm scrolling through while we're talking AEW's Twitter page, and I cannot find a, a mention of the Casino Battle Royal or Royale. I, I, <laughs> hopefully, I get to it at some point uh, before we get out of here. But this is pretty frustrating because I thought I'd have an answer. But... I, th- I think Jr. said Battle Royals on the show as well, and he like made a point to point. Well, Jr. said a lot of things tonight, and we're who actually knows, who knows what it's called. That's something we're going to get to the Jr. and the things he said tonight. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But okay. We're aligned so far on all three matches, so not much differential. Next up, the Young Bucks against Jurassic Express in a, a tag team match. Nothing in particular that I can tell as of right now on the line. The Bucks and Jurassic Express teamed up tonight in an eight-man to defeat Private Party and SCU. And at least for me, man, I knew the whole time which team was going to win this match. I love the action between them all, and Private Party for me continues to impress me. Their ceiling is incredible, incredibly high, I should say. But again, with this, the finish was heavily reliant on not following tag team rules. In fact, <laughs> they even in the finish, like commentary made it a point. Matt Jackson has tagged in. So Matt gets in the ring and then Nick just gets in the ring with him. They hit a couple moves and then Nick leaves and Matt gets the pin. And it's just like, but why didn't they just pin? Why didn't Matt then pin Nick? Nick do the moves, Nick get the pinfall, then it's legal. Very small things. I just, I feel like, it always feels to me like uh, Rich Knox or Rick Knox is the referee for all these matches and no one wants to listen to him. Yeah, I mean, whenever I'm on this show, I know we, we talk about it quite a bit. It, you know, the, the Young Bucks whole thing is tag team move. So like it's it's hard in like, you know, tag team matches. You want to finish matches on tag team moves, but you got to do it quickly. You know, it can't be, you know, basically the finish negates the rules you were having in the match. So, you know, I'm, I, I appreciated the story that they were trying to tell before, during, and after this match that the young bucks are serious. This isn't like the typical them. They didn't do their pose. You know, they just walked straight to the ring and, and they basically just walked out when they won. So I, I think it's a good step for them. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they look in this role. Um, the match is whatever. Honestly, this this should be your pre-show buy-in match, but it's hard to you know make the case to put the young bucks on, on your pre-show. So I get it, but yeah, I think we all know where this is going to go. Obviously, picking the young bucks win. So you know the the match was the match was fine. Um, the finishes are always a little bit weird, but they're clearly advancing a, a greater story here with the elite, and uh, that was noted. Yes, I agree. I think again, and this is something that we talked about. Last week, the matches on the show didn't mean much, but the stories they told at the end did. And I think this is a really good example where this match, it was an eight-man. There there were good things that happened. Ultimately, though, what was important was the story they were telling with the Young Bucks. And it is about their mentality changing after Hangman Page kind of turned on them. We're wondering what's going to happen with them. We're wondering what's going to happen with him. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. By the way, I have gone through Twitter. I've scoured. And it looks like while many people do call it the Casino Battle Royal, best I can tell, the only graphic that's been made for it includes Darby Allen and Lance Archer. And that one says Casino Battle Royale. So we will go with 
Royale as I am right now. vindicated. You are vindicated, Chris Vanini. Uh, we, will, <laughs> we will go with that right now, and we will see if that stands up by the time the pay-per-view rolls on. But okay, so we are aligned still through, I guess that's four matches. So let's keep going. Uh, up next, the Women's Championship, AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida defending against NWA Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. And on AEW Dynamite tonight, we had Thunder Rosa against Serena Deeb, former member of... The uh, uh, Straight Edge Society. The Straight Edge Society, correct. Uh, we had uh, in a damn good match, man, and it yeah. was and it was really freaking funny, okay? Because Jim Ross on commentary, line of his AEW career, maybe accidentally told the truth during the match and caught himself when he said this was basically the best women's match that AEW's had so far. <laughs> then he realized, hey, I'm saying this, and it's between two women that are not signed to the company. One is signed to NWA. One is not signed at all. And we've been in operation for basically what uh, twenty months at this point. And granted, only been on TV since last October, but uh, you know, which is still ten months. Um, and this is the best women's match. It wasn't. There have been better women's matches. Uh, I think Rio and Nyla Rose had a good one, or it was Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose. I'm forgetting which match it was. But Nyla Rose's last pay per view match was awesome. So yes. this was not the best women's match in AEW history, but it was top five. Yes, and actually, I gotta, I, I gotta, I guess, correct you on one. Uh, AEW announced that uh, Thunder Rosa is signed. They they uh, tweeted they they tweeted. Uh, I'm pulling it up. They tweeted before the show. Uh, it, they called her just signed NWA Thunder Rosa. They're saying just signed to the match. I I, I guess she. They did not. They they said at least in my opinion they were not saying that she was signed. Or maybe, maybe just okay. Yeah, maybe just, right. it was I mean, just you might be right. Just, just signed. Thunder Rose is now going to face Hikaru Shida. That's what they're saying. Uh, so it's not a label; it's a description. The right. way they phrased that tweet made it look like she had signed it, and I was very confused by that because they also acknowledged NWA and whatnot. But uh, okay, that makes more sense. I'm seeing I, it right. I, I'm I seeing. What, I'm seeing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they're talking about the match. The match was just. Yeah, yeah. I'm very surprised they would use that phrasing though. Uh, to, to, to call it to say just signed i think there's other ways you could do that with i'm sure a lot of people were probably confused by it but um yeah no it, it was a great match would love to see obviously thunder rosa signed nwa but would love to see serena in in aw moving forward because they, they really need some depth in that women's division and um they should uh i, I think she would add a lot and obviously she's uh, a veteran and as for this match um looking forward to it. i think it'll be really good uh, for sure. Sheeta is so clearly quite a bit more talented than almost all the people she's been in the ring with mm -hmm. in AEW. Yep. So I'm very excited for what this match is going to be. Um, but I obviously, got, I think I got to pick uh, Sheeta because it's the AEW women's match. Yeah, I mean, I want to clarify what I'm saying here. I'm not hating on them for having this match I, uh, on either on the pay-per-view or on Dynamite. I'm glad they did it. It got Serena Deep some shine. Um, Thunder Rosa got featured and people got to see her before the pay-per-view. That was a really good decision. And Thunder Rosa is really good. And if AEW does sign her, that would be a great signing. So I actually hope they do. It seems like WWE, I think she recently did an interview. They offered her a job. They wanted her to be a female referee. So that's interesting where now mm -hmm. she could potentially be wrestling 
um, for AEW, but she is currently the NWA champion. And I cannot see on three weeks notice when they basically decided they wanted to have a women's title match on the card, but did not have a challenger. Them saying, hey, why don't you come in? We'll do a one minute video of you signing a contract. Then you'll wrestle a 10 minute match and then you'll win our AEW Women's Championship. I just, I see no way that happens. But I do think this could be the number one best women's match in AEW history. So because of that, I am really looking forward to this. But it is a bit ridiculous that on the go-home show, we didn't even hear from the women's champion. And we've hardly seen her recently, except for that contract signing video last week. She can speak English. Presumably, she's in America because, you know, people aren't flying in. And they did that video a couple of weeks ago. So how do you not book Karushita on the show? Like, yep. I don't I don't get it. Why is she not at least watching from the crowd? And why aren't they doing a face-off after the match is over? Yeah, yep. I, I mean... They just don't care. They don't give a shit about the women, the women's division. They just don't. It, it's a problem. I mean, it's always possible. I don't know. Maybe she's somewhere else in the country, couldn't get here. I don't know. But yes, it, unless it was something weird like that, they absolutely should have something big other than just a contract signing video whatever that was tonight or the other. I watched last, last week. I watched last week's episode and tonight's back to back. So I may mix up what was what, but yeah, other than that, like, no, you got to have something more than that, especially for a match like this that, you know, is going to be one of the best matches on the card. Oh yeah. I mean, really, I really, really blew that. I think this could be a top three or four match on the card. Top half. Definitely. So I, I'm really excited for it. And yeah, I do think car sheet is going to win. So we are still aligned up next, the broken rules match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Now, we don't actually know what the broken rules are per se, but what we do know is that if Matt Hardy loses, he is out of AEW. The best thing I can say about this is I was really critical and disappointed at that insanely fast, kind of absurdly booked tables match from two weeks ago because I thought that was the end of the feud. And I couldn't believe that they were feuding this long and they were just going to end it with a pretty shitty, let's be honest, tables match. So I'm so happy that's not the case. They're doing it on pay-per-view. They're giving them a big match. Hopefully this is something that's like 15, 20 minutes at a minimum. And I want to see these guys go at it. So I'm really, really excited about it. Um, In terms of a prediction for the match, I'm a little concerned because the way it's termed is that Matt Hardy, you know, has to leave AEW if he loses. But they can get around that theoretically by almost having Sammy during the match, like one by one, beat all of Hardy's characters. Like maybe do a cinematic thing. He beats broken Matt Hardy. Then he beats Matt Hardy 2.0 or whatever version he is. And then, um, and all that's left is like Damascus, who's I think one of his new personas. And then that one's allowed to stay, but the other ones are not. I I don't know, but in a feud like this, and I know Matt Hardy is still talented and he's a name and all those good things, but this is really a spot where they should be putting Sammy Guevara over. But because I don't think they're going to go with some type of crazy booking, then I guess I have to predict Matt Hardy to win because he's certainly not leaving AEW unless he got some type of injury that's saying he can't wrestle anymore. I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, that does. it's one of those, you know, they've had a number of stipulations in this first year plus of AEW where you're just like, you don't, 
You don't need to do that. Like like the like Cody not being like able to challenge Cody, yeah. for, for the championship. Yeah, Cody can't challenge for the championship. Just like why? It just it did it it didn't add anything to the match. This does not add anything to this Sammy Guevara Matt Hardy match. And if anything, it makes it it seems to signal who's going to win. We, we all think Matt Hardy's going to win. That that is my pick as well. So we'll see how this plays out. I really hope there's something else in store. Uh, but uh, th- this has been a fun little mid-card, low-card feud that's been pretty vicious. You know, obviously, you know, Matt got cut a number of weeks ago when he got a chair thrown at him. Hardy gets him back, and that kind of really plays it up. They they, they get bloodied in the, in the in the tables match. So this has been a pretty enjoyably kind of vicious feud. Um, but I agree that Sammy Guevara should be the one to come out on top of this. Matt Hardy would not gain anything. He wouldn't lose anything. So, but I got, I mean, unless there's something we don't know, I got to pick Matt Hardy here because I don't think he's leaving AEW. Yeah, I mean, this was long-term book too. I mean, let's not forget, this all started with him, Hardy and Omega running Sammy over with the golf cart twice. Mm -hmm. So like, there's a legitimate storyline here and Matt was trying to take Sammy under his wing and Sammy rejected it. And and so this is a good storyline. It's, going to be a good match. I like both of these guys. This is one of the matches I said, top two or three that I'm looking forward to on the card. But I just, I look at the stipulation and I'm like, I don't think this was necessary, uh, at least not in the way that they're doing it. So that is why I'm disappointed, but we are once again aligned. So we are very much of the same mind going into the show. Let's see if it changes here. I have a feeling it might. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem match. In terms of what happened on Dynamite, you saw Chris Jericho squash Joey Janela. Uh, the backstage segment earlier in the show with Orange Cassidy and Jake Hager, I thought that was strong. That made me laugh. And Jericho's yeah. promo trashing Alex Marvin, that did great for me as well. <laughs> Even the squash match itself made sense, but I kind of wish it was someone other than Joey Janela, given the circumstances. I feel like Joey should be treated a little bit better than that. But that said, Janela sold the absolute hell out of that code breaker. I mean, that was like HBK level selling. So that was fantastic and hysterical. Everything else after that felt like a mess to me. This has gone on probably a month longer than it needed to, at least longer than I would have booked it. I'm sure the match at All Out is going to be booked well enough. Jericho's a great wrestler. Um, Orange Cassidy seems to be a great wrestler. But my excitement for this feud overall has waned a lot going into this pay-per-view. Yeah, and I think we talked it either leading into the last match or coming off of it. It felt like this was supposed to be a Jericho Mike Tyson situation, yeah. and so this probably went on longer than they perhaps thought it would. Um, but there, there's been too many, there's been too many beatdowns in this feud. Um, a couple weeks ago, when they, when they were pouring the, the the champagne on him, and then there was that, uh, another one today. Or Sunny, I think it was Sunny Kiss, right? That came out to help. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's been it, it's been a bit repetitive every week. I really enjoyed the debate. There have been parts of it that have been really good. I love Jericho on commentary last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always yeah. really good at that. So you know, it's Jericho, it's Orange Cassidy. It's it's pretty good. I, I'm excited. We're all ready for this to kind of be the end of it, though. I imagine this will be the end of it, but. Um, Give, I have my pick, but you give me your pick first. Sure. No, I'll go first if you want. Um, yeah, but I want to agree with you. Their their first match was really good. 
The debate segment was really good. The second match was kind of sloppy, and you knew Cassidy was going to get over on him. So And he had the botched finish. Yeah, and he had that botched finish. So that was just, that was not great. I mean, they were wrestling in like the Florida heat. I'm living here. You know, I live in Florida. It is brutal. So to wrestle outside and do the type of match they did and Jericho being on the other side, you know, of 40. Um, is he, he's not 50 yet, right? I think he just turned 50. Well, okay, then way on the other side of 40, if that's the case. Um, it, it, that was difficult, difficult circumstances for him. But yes, I do believe, and I, I believe I said this last week or maybe the week oh, before. No, he's, he's 49, my bad. 49, okay, we don't want to crown him yet. Um, I believe I did say it last week or the week before, and you just mentioned it a minute ago. I have to believe the plan for All Out was Chris Jericho, Mike Tyson, and they were using Orange Cassidy as an interim feud just to waste a little time to get us there. And then they realized, hey, this Tyson thing's not going to happen for one reason or another. And they basically needed to figure out an opponent for Jericho and they made it Orange Cassidy. So for me, that's why it's gone on this long. And yes, going into the match, look, I think Jericho has already done his job putting over Orange Cassidy. He laid out his case on Dynamite tonight, why Orange Cassidy is now a main eventer. Now, I don't personally, personally believe He's a main eventer, and that's no insult to him. There's some gimmicks I think work, and some don't in the main event scene. This one is not one that I think works. But he did give him a significant amount of shine, and he made Orange Cassidy legitimate throughout this entire feud. And I think one more match between the two at All Out will go to that length as well. Because it's a Mimosa Mayhem match, which is not we haven't really discussed yet, the stipulation, you can win via pinfall submission or getting thrown into a vat of mimosa. So I, 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 I have to imagine this match will surely end via submission. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely not submission. Um, so thrown into a little bit of the bubbly plus orange Cassidy, I guess, orange juice. So because of that, it gives an out for whoever the loser is. If Jericho winds up in there, he gets to pitch a fit and be crybaby cry Jericho. And it's a loss, but he didn't get pinned or submitted so he can get away with it. If Orange Cassidy loses, they're one and one in terms of in the ring. And then the third one, it doesn't really matter that he lost. I look at it like this. Inner circle outnumbers OC and best friends five to three. I have to believe Jericho goes over here. Like I said, he's done his job getting Orange Cassidy over and giving him a more prominent booking to this point. But while that's my prediction, and I think they need to keep Jericho semi-strong with a win, I would not be surprised one bit if Orange Cassidy is the one to win because of what I just said. The stipulation allows a clean out for Jericho. He gets to, you know, hit his arms in there, throw orange juice and and uh, champagne up in the air, and, and pitch a fit and go crazy and cry, and then he can go off to another concert, um, you know, at Sturgis while there's coronavirus going on. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Orange Cassidy here. I, I think they'll figure out a way, you know, Jericho's still calling himself Le Champion. It's not like, you know, he, he, I don't think he's hurt any sense by this. He's, he's Chris Jericho at this point. He can do whatever he wants and be in the title match, just like Randy Orton losing two in a row and then quickly becoming the number one contender on, on, on Raw. So I'm going to pick Orange Cassidy. I think we'll do something different here. I think because it's gimmicky, it fits more of, it fits more of Orange Cassidy. It can be a little goofy. Frankly, the last couple of weeks have been almost a bit too much serious Orange Cassidy for me. Like, I know we want to see that. And we want to see that fire at times. 
but I don't want him to lose, you know, the goofiness that is the character. That that is, you know, that is him. And I don't. I feel like the last couple of weeks they've gotten away from it a little bit, in an attempt to bring probably more edge and fire to this feud. But you can only do that so much in a in a match with a giant uh, tub of mimosa. So uh, I'm going to go Orange Cassidy. Uh, maybe Jericho takes a break. Maybe doesn't because of what's going on. Um, but I am very curious to see where he goes next. The, honestly, coming out of this, the next couple weeks of, of Dynamite, what I'm most interested in is what Jericho is going to be doing next. All righty. So we do differ on a match finally. Up next finally. here, Up next here is... My main event, the Silver King main event of AEW All Out. The AEW Tag Team Championships on the line. Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page defend the titles against FTR. So on Dynamite, I thought we saw a... And uh, what's the name of that dog? Because he or she agrees with me, that puppy. That one, that was, uh, that was Lil Sebastian, the pup, and then another dog responded. Okay, well, Lil Sebastian agrees. This is the main event of AEW All Out. I thought we had a solid promo here uh, by FTR and Tully Blanchard backstage, kind of laying out how the match at All Out was about far more than just the titles for them. They talked about the prestige, tag team wrestling, and the money that their contract goes up significantly if they win. I like that realism, adding that to the match. I thought that was important. A little bit later, we saw Omega in the ring. He starts cutting a promo. That was pretty rough. But once FTR came out and tried to bamboozle him a little bit, as Omega said, I liked his response. And I also enjoyed the rest of that segment with FTR basically telling him Hangman Page to his face. He's in his own head. He's basically a drunk fool. It was a really good tease with Omega leaving the ring without the title. Hangman looking back at him, wondering where his partner is. It just set up a lot of intrigue for me. So... I did like the entire segment. I also thought a little bit that the cursing and the bleeping was cursing and bleeping just to curse and bleep, if that makes sense. It was just a little bit too much, a little bit unnecessary for me. And I'm someone who loves to curse in, in my private life. I'll so. say, I'll say I, even, I, appreciate, I appreciate the bleeps. I appreciate that as opposed to the one time they're allowed to say the S word and they emphasize it or... In WWE, they know they can get away with bitch, and so they say that every once in a while. Honestly, I appreciate. I'm totally fine with bleeping stuff out because it it just it feels a little bit more real. Yes, this one was a maybe a little bit forced, but <clears throat> but in general, the overall philosophy. Because there were a number of times I think in the show from different spots, it might have been last week as well, where there were some bleeped out stuff, especially from from MJF. I think so. Uh, just in general, I do like the bleeps. In my wrestling, that uh, in AEW that we that we don't get from WWE. No, I mean I don't mind the idea, but it felt like yeah. No, were... no, I, I'm just, I'm just commenting on the idea. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I just saying agree. I'm just saying it felt like they were doing it just to do it. And the bleeping person, the bleeping person, uh, missed three yeah. out of the four bleeps. So you yes. heard shit, and then you heard it go <laughs> blank. So they didn't even make they didn't even do it correctly. So you still got the curse words. It was but just... that but that that made it feel like organic and real I guess. they missed it like I you guess. know like when it happens in sports and they don't and they i guess don't I, think, I think little like sebastian that. agrees with me but yeah, I know. but does. this was um but this was a fine segment and it got me excited i was a little surprised because i thought the development that we got here with ftr kind of telling hangman page like you're an a-hole we've been fooling you this whole time i kind of thought that would happen almost during the match or at some point during the pay-per-view not so much on the go-home show. I figured he'd maybe realize during the match 
that this whole time they were messing with him and they weren't actually his friends. And that what they did was they got him to turn on his old friends because he's a drunk and he's in his own head. So I found it interesting that they decided to spell it out in that regard on the show. I didn't really expect that. I didn't dislike it necessarily, but I did criticize WWE recently in that Bailey and Sasha segment with Corey Graves were kind of beating us over the head with this is what the storyline is. And this was not nearly as bad as that, but it felt a little bit like they were saying, hey, in case you don't get it, this is what's happening here, you know? Um, Whereas before that, I was really enjoying the way AEW booked it because it was taking me along for the ride. So because of that, we go into this match and there's a lot of intrigue. Now that Paige knows they've been messing with him, then maybe the booking that I thought they were going to do, which was they fool with him during the match and something happens or, or whatever the case, and then FTR is able to use that to win the title, maybe that's not as apparent. Maybe Hangman Page and him solidify again um, and, and coalesce and kind of say, hey, yeah, you are the guy that's always had my back. I'm sorry I disappointed you. I, I don't know, but it does shake up the booking here, at least in terms of my prediction. I'm going to stick with what I have believed, which is that FTR wins the titles here because the Young Bucks are, have a singles match earlier on the show. You assume they win that then you're setting up the beginning of that long-term FTR Young Bucks feud where they will eventually square off for the titles at the next pay-per-view. And Omega and Paige, they're in a spot where they both need to be back in the singles picture. They probably need to fight each other at least once, not necessarily as a breakup, but as like a good friends just have to have that fight. They have to work it out in the ring. So yeah, I'm going to go with FTR coming out of here, winning the AEW Tag Team Championships. That, that is also my pick. Just, I'll just get that out of the way. I think it's time for the tag team belts to be on the waists of, that's right, belts, not titles, on the waists of actual tag teams and, and really kind of get it going there. I think Paige and, Paige and, and Hank, uh, sorry, Paige and Kenny have been a lot better as a tag team than I thought. I, oh, yeah. There, there's been so much long term storytelling with, with them that I, I'm a, I'm appreciative of it and I can, I can get over maybe any little nitpicks I have because they are putting the effort into it, but I think it's time to get it on FTR and have them actual tag teams hold it hundred percent with you on the explaining that they were playing him. I don't know why they did that. I, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it was necessarily meant to make you think twice about the booking in terms of making a prediction. I think it was just, they felt they needed to spell out this story. I don't think they needed to say that like at all. Like they're right. just playing mind games. If you if you if you give it away, then basically it all should go away. Cause you like like you, you kind of just took away the whole I feel like it also should have been I feel like it should have been Kenny telling him. Like, don't you see they're yes, playing exa- you? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it should have been. Rather yeah, than them saying we're playing you. It's like Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because it has been obvious for seven weeks now that that's what they were doing. And again, medium-term, long-term booking here. It's been a good, slow-played story. And we all knew it was... I mean, this goes back to Hangman just coming out with a beer. Like, that's how how far this really goes back to. Even before FTR coming out, you go back to Kenny and uh, you go back to the the the, uh, the football field match, uh, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. uh, when Kenny's drinking milk and Hangman's drinking the beer. Like that That's how far they take this little characteristic and that really feeds into the story. They've done a really, really good job with it. But uh, yeah, it was just weird, especially for the... 
again, the go home here and they just like reveal their plan. Right. Like that's not what, like what was it going to, what, how was that supposed to make Kenny and Hangman like, like worse off as a team? It's just, it was a very strange decision in what otherwise has been a very, very well told story. It was almost like they played a little like DJ Khaled. They're like, congratulations. You played yourself. And it's like, but you should have told me that, you know, a couple days from now, not, not like on the go home show when we're still building. I also think it's pretty interesting, by the way, um, and we'll get off of the topic of this tag team match on this. But if you notice, you know, we've talked uh, or I've talked a bunch on this podcast about they're doing a lot of teases with four horsemen. And it's to the point where they've kind of beat you over the head with it. Cody threw up the four at one point, right? He put it on his chest. And, you know, Tully's involvement now with FTR. But if you notice, now they're holding up three fingers. They're basically holding up a W with the ring finger tucked in. And it seems like there's going to be a scenario where they have that three up and they just let go of that fourth finger and raise it. Now, maybe it's Cody. Maybe it's Paige. I highly doubt it would be this, but they could swerve the absolute hell out of us and make it Kenny Omega. And I don't think that would make a shred of sense, but I'm just saying they could theoretically do it. Um, but I, I'm curious about it because at, when it was just kind of Cody throwing it up and a lot of people speculating and, you know, them doing the segment with Tully and Arna, it was kind of like, eh, maybe they're swerving us just to swerve us, just to have some fun and, and drop some Easter eggs for people, right? But now that they're holding up those three fingers, it kind of makes me interested that, like, I wonder maybe Hangman does realize they're playing him or, or maybe he's just playing this game with Omega the entire time. And I don't think AEW would ever book like this. This is a very WWE <laughs> booking. But, like, you go into the match, you wrestle for a little bit, and then the person just feeds you to the other team, lets the other team win the tag team titles and celebrates with them. The, uh, the, it's uh, not even uh, WWE. That's WCW. No, no that, that was um, uh, Undisputed Air at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Where Roderick Strong turned. Yeah, where he did the whole match and then turned on his partner and... That's true. Team. That's I don't even consider that WWE booking though. That's NXT booking. That's right. <laughs> okay, no, but that's fair. Okay, you know, so maybe no, it, it, honestly, I was fine with it. I was there. It worked. It, it, if you think about it for longer than five seconds, it's a little weird. But honestly, I was okay with it. Yeah, it was, maybe it's it not that convoluted. <laughs> maybe it's not that convoluted then. But it just I'm getting weird vibes that like they may actually go with it. I don't know. I don't know that I love it, but I could see that potentially happening. Either way, I think no matter what happens, we're at least in agreement. FTR is going to walk out of there with the titles. Yes. And, and one, one quick question on this. Do you think Cody shows up on this show at all? No, I actually don't. Do you think that he's going to pop up at the next Dynamite or just TBD? Who knows? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until October. I mean, obviously, it's got to be he's got to come back for Brody Lee stuff, I guess. So at some point, uh, you would assume. Yeah, I don't know when they're he, I mean, their next show, watch. their next show probably isn't for another three months. Um, so the question is, are they going to do another special edition of dynamite coming up at any point? And if they do, can they maybe bring them back a couple of weeks before that? But no, I, I have no information here, but I, I, I think we don't see them until October, maybe like the one year anniversary of dynamite. I don't know if I'd go that far, but, but I, I agree. I don't think we'll see him because I don't, unless Brody Lee comes out to celebrate, you know, Brody Lee doesn't have a match here. So for sure. Now let's move on to AEW's main event. For AEW Dynamite, John Moxley defending the world championship against MJF. And we cannot talk about 
that match without talking about what happened on Dynamite. John Moxley defeating the lawyer, Mark Sterling. <sighs> this was <laughs> pathetic. It was supposed to be funny. It was not funny. It wasn't even boring. It was awful. You want to know what it was? Zero point zero. The guy is dressed like Jim Cornette, I guess, to take a shot at Cornette for his criticisms of AEW. Okay, whatever. Very smarky to do that. The only good part of the entire segment was Wardlow, who made me laugh with just how disappointed he was in Sterling being such a coward. And you saw him do it a couple times, and it legitimately made me laugh. I kind of think he might be funny, Wardlow. And like, if that is the case, then this guy may have more character than I thought. But there was no energy whatsoever in Moxley's antics. The crowd didn't even buy into it. There was no heat on MJF or Wardlow whatsoever in the post-match. Yes, people were booing, but it was muted boos because you saw it coming as soon as MJF walked out. And the fact that John Moxley can't at all get any offense or fight off in any way Wardlow and MJF, even in a two-on-one for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, I mean, it just didn't, it made him look terrible. So we got color there for the sake of color on Moxley. And I go into this match, man. I have to say, this is the least interested I've been in a buildup to an AEW world title match to date, at least a major match, like on a pay-per-view. And it's a shame because it started off so well, this feud, with MJF's incredibly strong promos, Moxley answered back with some good promos as well. But between that segment last week and this match on Dynamite, man, I just, I'm just being honest. It took a nosedive for me. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciated the idea of the beatdown. It got pretty violent. I believe there was color there. And MJF really tried his best to, to, to bring heat into it. And it just, it just yeah, it didn't click. That, that whole... The whole segment was too long. Yeah. The, the, the match was too long. It dragged on before they finally started. Then the beatdown, it, it, they had to wait a little bit to finally go off the air. So the timing was all a little bit off. Um, I, MJF has been really, really good throughout all of this. Uh, he's had a couple promos that aren't up to his very high standard, but he's generally been carrying this. Moxley's had one or two good promos, but this, this whole story really has been MJF kind of really carrying this feud and it, it was a little bit disappointing that you don't feel a little bit more going into it. Um, I imagine we'll have some uh, shenanigans. Obviously Moxley still can't use the paradigm shift. Um, right. I did forget to mention that. Yep. I'm, I'm a bit MJF has still never been pinned in a singles match. Correct. At least not in 2020. I don't know if he has, because I know he's lost some tag matches and he's made a point to say he didn't, he'd never get pinned in a singles match. I believe that's still going on. So this might be another one of the situations where you have an undefeated person, you know, who loses their title match and then, and then where do you go from there? So some of the previous guys that that's happened to, they haven't really had a plan with. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this. I want MJF to win this. I, I like I said, I've I've been quite bored with Moxley as champ. We're not going to have big crowds anytime soon. Um, I again much prefer him as the chaser and not the guy at the top. So 
I feel like I, I can see MJF winning this match. I can see it a little bit less so considering the beatdown on Dynamite tonight. So my my pick is Moxley, but I'm I, I I'm giving it like one I'm giving it like one or two confidence points. <laughs> okay. Uh yes, MJF has not lost a singles match in AEW. Okay. He has lost for some reason he lost. I guess it was his go away match in MLW. So he did lose a singles match to Marshall Von Erich, but um, no, he is undefeated as a singles wrestler in AEW. Of course, he hasn't had that many matches, but yes, he is undefeated um, one-on-one. So, uh, yeah, so confidence points, you know, if we're going to play that game, what is it up to 10, right? So whatever you want. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's normally what it is. Yeah, so yeah. look, I don't see a situation where MJF wins. Now, I didn't see MJF beating Cody. Okay, when that happened. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand at least why they did that in that moment. Okay, that now makes a lot of sense. But it does not make sense for me to have this guy go over Moxley unless they're saying to themselves, look, MJF as champion, he can get heat with the title in this era where there's not a lot of fans in attendance. Obviously, they're having some there now. And Moxley, it'd be great for him to win the title back from MJF when we have our first big crowd. Yeah. But at the same time, you've put the strap on Moxley. You are in a situation now where you're starting to gain a little bit of momentum as a company again, now that people are paying more attention to wrestling. Look, it's not like COVID-19 is going away or anything, but people are getting tired of it. Let's just be honest, right? I hate to say that, but it's true for a lot of people. So you're seeing ratings go up, not just for AEW, NXT as well. You're seeing more interest in the shows. And I don't think this is the right time for AEW to say, let's go put the title on someone who is comparatively unproven. Because they did not pick Chris Jericho and John Moxley as their first two champions by accident. That is strategic. They want people who tune into their product to know that people they recognize are champion. That's the hook. Then everything else is supposed to keep them there. So because of that, I just can't see a scenario where MJF wins the title. Yes, he has Wardlow on his side. Yes, he uh, Moxley's not able to use the paradigm shift. I think what we see is Moxley chokes at MJF. He knocks out Wardlow, then chokes out MJF. MJF never gets pinned, maybe doesn't even submit. Maybe he just goes blank, gets concussed, um, or just the life gets choked out of him. Mm. And Moxley ends up winning the match. That's my booking. Confidence points, I don't know, eight out of 10. I, I can see that booked as a finish because then you can keep MJF from saying he's never been pinned or, or something like that. Because given all the things he has an advantage here, the paradigm shift, he'll have someone in his corner. If he loses like that, it's, it's it, you got to make him not look like a chump for losing that match when you have all the advantages. So I, I could see that happening the way you have it. Moxley's won recently with that submission a couple times. So, yeah, he beat. Uh, that's how he beat Brody Lee, right? Right. Yeah. So it's established, and that's the good thing. So, um, the Brody yeah, Lee tapped. Brody Lee tapped, though, right? I don't remember. I have to assume he tapped. I think he tapped. I have to assume. Which, by the way, again, a strange booking because in that scenario you would think, okay, that's a guy that you could just pin, versus tap. You don't want that guy to tap, right? So, yep, yep. That was confused by that. But this is the opposite. This is a you know one either one he taps and it's coward's way out, and he said, yeah, but you never pinned me, right? Or you just have him get knocked out, and then he can keep ranting and keep saying things he deserves and 
you know, I don't think he'll get a rematch because AEW doesn't seem to do that, but he can keep saying that he d- deserves one, keep winning, not get pinned, stay one, two, three at the top of those rankings, and maybe six months from now gets another opportunity, and maybe at that point you change the title. So yeah, another possibility is maybe Wardlow costs him the match or, or some sort, and he, him and Wardlow have their breakup, which has been teased on and off over the last couple of months. True. Um, so that's another option. I think that's possible as well. I would hate to see it. I kind of like them together, but no, you're right. That, Me that too. That's another possibility as well. Yeah. So going into the show, um, I was, I have to say, I was more excited before Dynamite than I was after Dynamite, but nevertheless, you look at this card and there are a number of good matches. I believe Moxley, MJF, even though storyline-wise I'm less excited, I believe it's going to be a very good match. The tag team match with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against FTR, Again, that's my main event I'm excited for. Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy. It's more of a storyline thing. I'm wondering what they're going to do. Not so much excited for the action, but Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara, and Akaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa. Those two matches I'm extremely excited for. And then Britt Baker versus Big Swole. You know, they got me hooked on that. I really care about that angle. The rest of the show I can largely take and leave, though. And, and that's just honestly how I feel going into it. And you know what? If you asked me the same about payback, I probably would have said it said the same. Like, hey, there's a couple of matches here I really care about, but while they while all those other matches were built, they kind of just hot shotted them as matches onto that pay per view. But what ended up happening? That pay per view over freaking delivered. Mm-hmm. And AEW, considering the talent they have, this pay per view can over deliver as well. So going into Saturday, the expectation is high. They have yet to disappoint us on a true pay per view card yet. And this is another opportunity for them to deliver. Yeah, there's really only one match I don't care about, and that's Jurassic Express Young Bucks. Everything else has a Dark Order match you care about? Um, no, I'm sorry. You're right. Two, <laughs> two I don't care about. Okay. There were a bunch of names that were all crammed together. That's fine. Those two, those two matches I don't care about. But the other seven, they all have good stories, or you know it's going to be a banger match like the women's championship match. So... You know, I, I'm not, I, I'm like, I, I've got like B plus expectations going into this show, but I, I'm appreciative of the long-term booking that got us here. Everything, all, almost everything feels like it matters in some form other than that one Young Bucks Jurassic Express match. So, you know, I, I, I'm probably not going to be able to see this live because there's college football going on Saturday night. I'm going to have to do some stuff there. But, there is uh, there is college football, but it's like barely the definition. Of right. I just I might be at a game. I know. I I'm just saying. I'm just so, being honest. It's barely. The so I, I may not I may not catch it live. I'll probably end up being spoiled on the results. But um, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a I think it's a decent card. There are restrictions that hurt it, but this is missing like one or two like you know, matches that you were just absolutely fired up about. I know, I know we're really excited for the tag match, but there's, again, I, I said earlier, there, there's no Cody. It feels like this is just missing a little bit of, you know what I want? Star power here. You know what I want? I want the equivalent of that Pac orange Cassidy match that just shocks you and blows you, blows you away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like I have something like that on here. And yeah, not having Cody here, you do feel it. So, I'm with you, but uh, you're saying B plus going in. My expectation level's at a B. So there's plenty of room to exceed, plenty of room to fall short, or they can just meet it with a very good show, which honestly wouldn't be a bad thing. You, you hit a B on a pay-per-view, 
that is a success, no question about it. So there, there's not there's not anything in here where I say why are they doing this? This doesn't matter. And there there are so often two or three of those on most WWE pay per views or especially on Raws uh, where you're just like this isn't for anything. AEW has, has done a good job of making it feel like almost everything you're watching matters a little bit. Maybe it doesn't matter a lot, but but that, that there is some thought behind it. So that's always appreciated. And like I said, honestly, the stories are, are, are a big reason I'm, I'm interested in this because they have put a lot of time and effort into them. And I'm very curious to see how they, the ones that end end or the ones that continue, how they continue. I'll disagree slightly because that Dark Order match to me is completely meaningless. Well, no, because it's because it's it, it's revenge for Cody. You know, it's it's part of a story that has been going on. It is a bit of some of these guys are Cody's friends, or three of them are part. I of know, but I don't care. I understand that, but I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't care. I, like I said, I don't care. But they they there is enough behind it that that you feel like it matters somewhat to them. In terms of putting it together, it's not like two people who are just randomly placed together in a match. Sure. Okay, I'll give it to you. I, you know, I'm not going to argue it, but it's just, um, I don't know. It's it's just I can't I can't get into that. The rest, almost everything else, I can at least see reasons for being on there. That one, that's a AEW match. It's a, a AEW Dynamite match. It's another oh, eight. Sure. Man, it's another eight man tag. Yes. We had another one tonight. It's been like eight weeks in a row. For me, it's not a pay-per-view match, but whatever. It's fine. It's a nine-match card. I'm excited for it. Um, we will be back Saturday night immediately after AEW All Out is off the air with instant analysis. Chris will not be here, but I am expecting to have a special guest co-host for that show. So obviously, keep your eye out for that. Before we get out of here, um, non-AEW news, just general wrestling news that I feel like we should quickly, briefly discuss the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, earlier today um, announced, and by the way, we are taping this Wednesday after AEW Dynamite went off the air, but The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, announced that he, his wife, and his two children all contracted COVID-19 recently, which is obviously horrible news. The good news coming out of it is they're all on the other side. They're asymptomatic, not asymptomatic. Uh, They're no longer symptomatic, and all of them are feeling fine. So that is great. On the other side of the coin, AJ Styles, during one of his live streams, I think he does Twitch, he plays video games and stuff. He announced that last month he tested positive for COVID-19. And it seems obviously since he's been on TV recently that he's been cleared as well and he is now fine. So that's two wrestlers we did not know about previously. Certainly Dwayne Johnson these days is far more than a wrestler, um, but who did contract COVID-19 and seem to now be on the other side of it doing completely well, and I'm really happy that I'm able to share that information. Not that they got it, but that both of them are feeling okay. Yeah, I mean, not that anybody's forgotten this is going on, but um, you know, it's just a reminder of uh, of um, of how just this can hit anybody. Remember, it was Tom Hanks was one of the first major people to to get it, and, yeah. and you know, when, when it happens to big name people like that, it brings a renewed sense of awareness. The fact that his kids got it, you know, is notable. Um, especially with kids going back to school soon if they haven't already. And college campuses, some of the SEC have a thousand cases already. So, you know, this is far from being over. Just as always, you know, stay socially distant, wear a mask, try to avoid in- yep. indoor crowds um, as, as we try to get through this all. And, and, and I'm obviously glad that AJ and The Rock and his family and everybody's okay. 
you're not even talking about it being close to being over. It's in some ways only just begun. And, and it's uh, really upsetting to see. But in the case of these two, I'm happy both of them are okay. Certainly huge fans of both. And, you know, didn't necessarily want to share any down news, but on on the plus side, everyone's okay. Everyone's feeling good. So happy to say say that and happy to see that. As I said, coming up next on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast will be our instant analysis of AEW All Out. That will be published Saturday night as soon as the pay-per-view is off the air. Coming up after that, we are back finally after three torrential weeks of shows to our normal schedule. We will be back with our WWE show talking all things Raw and SmackDown on Tuesday and then all things NXT and AEW and by the way, on Thursday. Yes, and shout out to Adam. You've done a great job. I've only been here for a handful of these shows over the last couple of weeks, but you have been working tirelessly, My God. tirelessly to get these episodes out and get them out quickly to all the listeners. So everybody who is listening, um, just uh, give a thanks to Adam for, for everything he's been uh, putting into this. For, no, for, no. For, I, it, it, and it's, it's for you guys, but he's... Um, He's been he's been putting a lot into it. No, I appreciate it. It, it. it legitimately has been a lot of work. And when we when I conceptualized the podcast and doing all this, I knew there would be time periods where it would be a lot of work. But three pay-per-views in as many weeks and like big breaking news in between, you know, that's that yeah, and, and weekly and weekly shows that are on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And right. And right. And the schedule being shifted around, like all happening at once really bad timing the good news is it's all about to end just as football is about to start so hopefully wwe aew nxt all you need to get your damn heads right nhl playoffs nba playoffs stop screwing up the schedule let's get back on track let's know what we're doing and and we'll do our two shows a week and we'll do our instant analysis on pay-per-views i don't need to do these four show weeks we gotta stop doing this crap um but Yes, so we will be back to our normal schedule starting next week. But of course, AEW All Out Instant Analysis on Saturday night. Thank you all for listening to the show. We're going to give Macho Man one more night off. He will return next week when we get back to our normal schedule. Again, follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And remember to leave that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to find wrestling audio. So, or... Vicious Chris Benini. Now we're gonna stick with it. For vintage Chris Benini, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. We're out of here, and I only got three words left for you. Bye for now. <laughs>